Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. I am excited about uh, today's conversation. Today we have Patrick Power Hall uh, with us as a guest and my uh, co-host, as always, addition uh, with Desiree, Desiree <laughs> Bradley. Well, good evening, ladies. Good evening. Yeah, so um, I know, you know Desiree, that uh, you and, and Pastor Hall have a dynamic uh, conversation around emotional triggers, and I think it's just a really um, special topic that we need to um, share with our podcasters in particular because we know in the healthcare space, it's a very vulnerable space in particular for, uh, you know, patients and even caregivers and, and their families. Um, and so um, it, this emotional triggers, you know, conversation is uh, you know, really important, um, just considering all the different, uh, you know, factors that uh, influence or um, that can have some influence uh, on one's emotions and how we're, um, you know, best able to kind of cope. So I'm going to turn it over to you and maybe you can get us kicked off with what you <laughs> found most intriguing about your conversation uh, with Pastor Hall. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know I walked away with some great strategies and tips that Pastor Hall kind of taught us on the Facebook Live. So I am super excited for her to share some of that wealth of knowledge with our podcast viewers. So Pastor Hall, we're just going to just jump right on in. So If you can remember our wonderful Facebook Live, it was about emotional triggers and how as patients, you know, we go around and we share our stories and also providers as well. And sometimes those stories can be pretty painful. Some of us have had medical harms. Some of us have lost loved ones. Um, So as we share our stories, you know, to help quality improvement, it can be pretty hard. And so for me personally, I'm a pretty tough cookie most days. But sometimes, you know, I walk away and I'm an emotional wreck. 
And I've heard this from my peers and they've expressed the same thing. It's just that kind of elephant in the room that nobody talks about. We kind of keep it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would love for you to share your insights and thoughts around emotional triggers and what can we do as patients to kind of deal with those emotional triggers. And when they're coming on, there's some coping strategies. And so I would love for you to just kind of share that with our podcast listeners. Of course, I definitely remember our conversation and it was a very interesting conversation because I believe that there is a lot of times when we really don't acknowledge our emotions and emotions are feelings. Um, as we know, they can be feelings of joy, sorrow, fear, hate, love, etc. But in our previous conversation, I would like to highlight it again on tonight. I, I brought up some great tips that I thought um, would help us. And that would be just, first of all, starting off with acknowledgement. And I kind of stated like this, I believe that we don't give ourselves enough time or space to have um, emotions expressed, or do we give ourselves time or permission to express our emotions? And so I have the saying um, that I always say about emotions, because they are feelings, they come and go, but they do pass. And I believe a lot of times we're taught, and it could be generational, it could be things that, you know, we picked up in school or however or wherever, but we're kind of taught to not express ourselves because, you know, there are moments that we need to be strong or Mm -hmm. if you're in a situation, you have to kind of have a certain face on to be able to get through the moment. But I believe that if we can begin to express our emotions, feel it, express it, um, even release it. Even if it's anger, have that moment where maybe you may scream or maybe you may have to do something to get it out. I believe that's what's most important is to just, first of all, acknowledge and then express it. But once Mm. you do that, I believe there's also a place where you can take time to pull yourself back and know that you can get through this moment, even if it's a traumatic moment, even in expression or even in feeling. Oh, that is. And, you know, you, you touched on a topic that is really, really important when you talk about in the community how things are kind of taboo to talk about. I know as a black African-American female, we're taught to be strong and tough and like the rock yeah. of the family. So a lot of times we don't um, share those emotions because we don't want to be vulnerable. I know it was instilled from me from a little girl to be that strong black woman, which is great. But I think that comes with also some hindrance and barriers as well that we don't discuss. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I think it's very important that in today's society, you know, there's so much that's going on. And I believe um, one of the key things that we lack is communication. And uh, what I love is that with communication on both ends, we have a right to express how we feel just in a respectful manner. So there's also a place where we can acknowledge, we can feel. But I brought up last time, and I think this is very important to even release um, today, if there's a certain thing that we can create in our world called replacement and exchange of emotions. Yes. And we really do have the ability to replace and exchange one emotion for another. I just believe we're not taught to do it, but I believe it's something that we need to incorporate even in the medical field um, that you know, patients, they deal with so many things and it's okay to have that feeling of distrust, but there's also a 
ceiling or a ramp where you can feel trust. You can mm-hmm. feel safe in an environment. You can feel safe with the provider. You can feel safe within a group. So I believe there has to be a um, teaching or a community that we build to where we learn how to exchange one emotion for another so that we can always go forward and never stay stuck in one state. Pastor, well, can you give us an example of how to replace an emotion? Because I think that's such an awesome um, concept. Give us an example of, of how one might exchange an emotion. Yes, I, I definitely can. Um, I can use myself as, as an example. Um, I have um, family members and I've gone through with them through certain situations, um, sicknesses, and not only as being a caregiver, do you see the fear of a, of a loved one or someone that you're caring for, but you also feel that same fear because you're thinking about, you know, their life, what could happen. And I'll just use this as an example. Um, my dad was diagnosed with stage one prostate cancer and going through the process, not only did he have fear, which, you know, as a man, he really didn't express it, but I also had fear as well. But what I did in that moment, when I heard the news, I received it. But at that same moment, I learned how to exchange it with a level or a emotion of trust. So what do I mean? I I got the trust or I built the trust up by, first of all, making myself um, knowledgeable concerning the cancer. So I did study. I um, Googled a whole lot. I talked to people that had already been through the particular diagnosis that my dad had. So when that fear came up, I exchanged that with the fact that he's not the first one, nor will he be the last one. I talked to someone who actually went through the process that I found out, okay, there's treatment, so forth, and the community, so forth, and so on. So we exchange it or we replace it by really learning the truth about the matter and learning that, you know what, it's not as bad as it sounded when it came forth. And so I kind of really created my own little safe haven. So it came through knowledge. It came through conversation. It came through having various communications with people on different levels. So once I got that information, I was able to replace that, that thing called fear. And I was able to say, okay, I can trust this. I had a lot of conversations with the provider. I would go to appointments with my dad and I would go in and I would ask all the questions, even though he didn't like it, but I still did it. I just, I just informed myself so that when that fear came, I was able to say, you know what? I may feel this, but I I have the information that I need to replace it. And it's not um, as devastating as fear would have me to feel. Wow. I know I've used that technique from our Facebook live um, in many different ways. And most recently, um, I have going through really right now a very painful um, cellulitis, which is extremely painful. And so I'm not one to really like to take a lot of pain medication. But I remembered our Facebook live and I remembered um, the replacing exchange. And I kind of went to that place and kind of replaced that painful kind of agony I was in that moment with joy and I was thinking about I've been wanting to go to the beach and kind of visualize myself on the beach and it really helped me with my pain management so you know I want to thank you for teaching us on that Facebook live that technique because I have used it in many different areas and then it's gotten to the point where 
it's like second nature because I didn't think I could do it at first. Yeah. But now that I've gotten used to doing it in different areas of my life, it works. <laughs> it, it Yes, it definitely works. And I, I just believe it's a place that we can actually um, create again. So whereas when we fill it, we can replace it quickly. Um, anxiety. I mean, you know, any diagnosis and we really can't be a judge of what's a, a small versus a large or versus mm-hmm. something that's. But but you can you can exchange anxiety for calmness, you know, just kind of create that space that says, you know, this is not the end. You know, I think whenever we get devastating news, we feel like we all oh, we automatically go to the end of a thing. But you know what? I just believe if we take a moment to kind of just exchange it, we'll be able to even deal with it in a different way. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if you had like just I'd say one tip for patients that could deal with those emotional triggers, what would be that one tip that you want them to walk away and say, this is what I want you to do? That one tip will be to find what I call your rhythm and keep it. So let me explain what that means. Um, I was thinking about rhythm. And when you think about rhythm, you think about music, it's, it's, the rhythm keeps the pattern. That's how you learn the song. You know, you ever had a, ra- a song come on the radio and there were no words, but when you heard the rhythm of it, you knew the words automatically popped right back <laughs> into your head. Yes, <laughs> you yes. know, it's, it's almost like Michael Jackson's Thriller. When we hear that beat, it's like, okay, we know what, what's about to proceed. We know the words. And so I would say create your w- rhythm, find your rhythm and keep it. And that could be writing. Um, that could be exercise. That can be playing music. I believe that's something that we need to incorporate on a daily basis. Um, Dr. Washington, I watch her life, and she's one that is that has incorporated exercise into her life, and that's her rhythm. And so, if I would give any advice, I would say create your rhythm um, again, whether it's writing or whether it's um, exercise or music or journaling, whatever it is. Create it so when you do have those moments, you know the place that can take you from that emotion, even if it's for a moment. Now that's it's almost advice. like that's some good advice right there. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like <laughs> that's, that's some good advice right there. She is telling the truth because my family and and Jessica Carl is, is she knows this very well. That my family will say to me, "Oh, you didn't go to spin class today, did you?" And it's yes. the truth. I, I think, and so you are you are absolutely correct. Is that you got to find that thing, whatever that thing is for you, and allow it to become a part of your life. So that thing for me is no longer about really exercise. Really, it's about that mental therapy that I need on a regular basis to keep yes. me to keep me, you know, pace and to keep me rhythm. I love it. I love that advice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, you even, when you think about keeping a rhythm and you think about a um this let's talk about a daycare provider, daycare center. In order for them to keep um order, they have to give the children a rhythm that is um okay, you get angry, count to five. If they don't do that, everything will be chaotic. So I'm saying whatever it is that we need to do to keep our lives in a particular order, we need to create it and then keep it. So if it's journaling for you, it's a good thing to walk around with a notepad and a pen. So 
So when you do feel that, you can stop. Say you're taking a walk and you feel a certain emotion come up. You can stop and sit at, sit on the bench and say, you know what, let me start journaling because I feel myself going there. So I believe we need to incorporate our rhythm again. Everybody has their own rhythm. Everybody has that thing that once they tap into it, it allows them to move forward. And so if I can give any advice, I would say find out what that is. And it may take a moment to find out. Um, it may be something that you even did in the past that you forgot about. But I would say reincorporate that. And every person knows um, what that thing is for them. So this, this, this thing, rhythm, this place, this thing that takes me away from what I'm feeling or what I'm dealing with, I, once we create that, it will become easier to do what it is or to receive what it is that we need to receive and to move forward in life. Well, I, you know, I need to um, take your advice and find my rhythm. That That is, I'm a work in progress on that. <laughs> but I will. As soon as we finish our podcast, I'm going to sit down and make it a point to Desiree, find your rhythm. Because that yeah. is really important. And it kind of, you kind of level set for me because I remember I used to love to read. And when you made that statement, it's like, okay, wait a minute. I remember I used to really enjoy that. I need to go back mm-hmm. to that. So, you know, it's it's your advice is, is really something I think that all patients and providers as well. We know that providers carry a lot of stress and a lot of burden in their work as well. So I think these techniques can also be used as providers um, as well as patients. So I think this is, is really, really good for everyone involved in the healthcare environment. So before we before we close, I have one more question uh, for you, Pastor Pizarro, and it's it's related to um, uh, something that you said uh, uh, earlier with regards to kind of managing um, these triggers. So I was reading up on emotional triggers, and we know that uh, they they come from oftentimes the triggers actually come from things of the past meaning experiences of the past, right? So in other words, um, the example with, with your dad as a as a as his primary caregiver, right? So you may have something that triggers you emotionally in managing his care, but really that thing or you know what whatever it was that that, that triggered this emotion, whatever emotion it might be, let's just say it's a sad emotion, really oftentimes comes from an experience that we had before. So it's not really that present day experience that is the trigger, right? The trigger really is what, what our brains memorize from a past hurt or a past pain or a past circumstance that caused you know, you know, whatever emotion. Can you talk a little bit about how, to manage or, or filter through that because the trigger really isn't the present day issue, right? Oftentimes, right. the trigger yeah. comes from an old place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely comes from an old place. And it, it comes from an old place because I believe we didn't deal with it in that old place. I believe it, it it resurfaces because, again, we were taught to kind of just move forward, go on, um, you'll be okay. But there are moments when you're not okay. I saw something very funny. I think it was like on Instagram or Facebook, and it talks about um, what are you going to do? Are you going to get up or are you going to sit here and cry? And at the end of it, it says, well, I'm going to do both. 
I'm going to cry and I'm going to get up, but I'm definitely going to cry. And so I believe it's because we don't deal with those past issues. Um, and when they resurface, it, again, as you said, it looks like it's this, but it's really not. I'm going to use my dad for an example, that even when, when you know, we got the news, my mind automatically went back to a family member that I was a part of the for that didn't survive. So when I heard that news, it took me back to that moment. Now watch this, totally different genders, totally different diagnosis, but it took me back to that moment because when I heard that one word, it triggered something, which was cancer. It triggered the same feeling and emotion. And so when it came up, even though it was two totally different situations, I felt the same emotion that I felt when I heard heard the diagnosis with another family member. So I believe that there are moments, um, and the mind is amazing. God has created our mind. I mean, it's just totally amazing that we can even go back. No, we can't go back in physical time. But I believe there are moments when we need to go back and we need to deal with things. I always say this. Um, if something is talked about or a person's name is brought up and you still feel that same emotion that you felt um, when you saw them or when whatever occurred between you guys happened, then it's okay to go back and deal with that. Now, watch this. The person may no longer be here in the physical. The person may be here physically, but you have absolutely no contact with them. But the mind is so powerful that it can backtrack. You can actually meditate on that situation, um, decipher, go through, even in your mental state, say what you have to say and release it so that if it ever comes back around again, you can say within yourself, I've dealt with that. Mm -hmm. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? That That's makes awesome. total That's, sense. Yeah, that, and, is, and so, that is so awesome. Yeah, so we have that power and we don't use it. And I believe mm -hmm. that if we begin to just use it, it's like the mind. Just say, you know, they, they say this, and this is the saying, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, you, people can't take what's in your mind. You know, you it doesn't matter what college you go to because watch this, whatever you learn, no one can take it away from you. And so I believe that we need to spend more time um, inwardly, I think we need to kind of shut down different avenues and at moments. I know we're in a social world and we need to stay social, but there are moments when we need to take a emotional vacation. Oh, I love that. I'm going on vacation after this podcast. I'm going on vacation after this podcast. You need an emotional vacation. You need a vacation where you just take a couple days to deal with anger, fear, mm -hmm. trust, mis whatever it is, and you just need to give yourself a vacation to deal with it. And watch this, like any natural vacation, once you come back, you're refreshed. You can do anything you need to do. Oh, you need to patent that. Yeah, that's good. So so, so I, I, I'll, I'll say I, the last question was supposed to be a closing question, but I, but I have to say <laughs> this, is um, because you just really sparked some emotion in, in your statement. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I also got out of what you just said is it's okay and we should, sometimes we should seek uh, whatever is necessary, whether it be counseling, coaching, talking to someone else, yes. talking it through, we should do those things in order to pull up and get out 
what we oftentimes don't really know is even there, right? Mm-hmm. That's triggered, yes. that's actually triggering some of these things. And and I say that, and, and, and it's so important um, in particular for our audience on today, because when I think about the fact that oftentimes, and in particular in certain communities, in the Latino community, in African-American communities, we're not as apt or as prone to raise our hands and say, you know mm-hmm. what, I need to, I need to talk to somebody about this. Or when I, or, or when I talk to a friend and say, you know what, you might want to talk to a counselor or get a therapist, we're very adverse mm-hmm. to the concept of counseling or talking to a therapist. I mean, we barely mm-hmm. want to go through marriage counseling, let alone as mm-hmm. counselors to, you know, talk about, you know, issues that we're having in our everyday lives. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important because that counseling, that therapy, that coaching really does help us get to places that we just can't get to alone. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, too, it goes to the point of, it's taboo in our communities. You know, I, many people know in this podcast, if you've listened to our others, I'm from the deep south of Louisiana. And the saying is, oh, we don't do that. We don't do counseling. We don't, do, you know, so especially in the black community, right. counseling and psychiatry, you know, it's taboo. And if you seek those services, you're looked at as vulnerable or something is wrong with you or you're broken. So we need mm-hmm. to really start educating our communities that no, we're not broken. Some of us need that assistance and it's okay to reach out for those assistances. Yes. And, and I also believe that it comes from a a place that goes years and years and years back to whereas we as a people has been we've been broken so much that we can't afford to be broken anymore so mm-hmm. even if you're not strong act strong it presents a particular um image of weakness but i believe that again we have to create spaces of safety to say it's okay to have a conversation and to talk and and most people don't like to have that hard conversation because what does it do? It brings up unhealed places. Mm -hmm. And so we just continue to go on and create these layers of um, sores that are never healed. And Mm -hmm. so, and and can I say this, even as a spiritual leader, I believe um, for generations, the people were taught that you were going against God if you went outside of prayer. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That if you went outside of, if you, if you have, if you're not praying and if, or if you are praying and you decide to include someone in what they call your relationship with God, that you've done something against God and God Mm -hmm. created us for communication. And there are certain things that are put into place so that we can um, live a life that is, prosperity not just in finances but mental health as well because watch this i'm sorry can i just no no go ahead i I just want to share this it talks about um in the bible about how our soul should prosper and your soul is what your mind your will and your emotion and so it is god's will that our souls are totally healed your mind your will and your emotions it's his will. Wow, that that's powerful. That is really, really powerful. 
And I know coming from, again, the South and a praying family that a lot of times my aunts, they'll tell me, you know, God's going to heal me or God, you know, you go to God, Mm -hmm. which I do. I'm a very spiritual person. But as I've grown as an adult and as I've experienced, you know, medical hardships with my daughter that have have deep rooted pain that I've never dealt with. And so I appreciate this this podcast conversation in more ways than one. Yeah, no, this is this has been this has been awesome. And so, um, Pastor Carr is always we, we, we pull on you. We don't pull on you about coaching on emotional vacation because I plan to take me an emotional vacation. And I don't know who to call in order to kind of map out my itinerary. So you might have to help me out. But I just want to thank you so much. Uh, for sharing um, your insight, your knowledge, your expertise uh, uh, with us and with our audience on today. And Desiree, I want to thank you as always for uh, being a wonderful co-host. And until next time, be healthy. All right. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.